The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends and earn Unicorns through successful bets or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet. This is Walter Ciades Fedchuk welcoming you back to day five of our 2017 European Spring Split team by team preview show podcast episode. I don't know what to call us anymore. We're on the YouTubes, <laughs> we're on the SoundCloud, we're on the Patreon. If you haven't checked it out, you guys should head over to our Patreon, www.patreon.com backslash rough dress pod if you enjoy what we're doing just a shameless little plug and by us i am of course talking about my truly good friend and co-host chase redshirt king wasadar chase how are you doing today i'm doing great you know i don't know what this is either anymore I, it's whatever the viewers want it to be that's my answer uh, you want this to be a show or a podcast i just this is where we break down all of this league stuff and i i love doing the previews i'm very excited to talk about this team because this was a team that we completely misjudged when we were previewing summer as did practically Everyone. everybody else Everyone. yeah i don't think this was something that a lot of people saw coming. And now it's it's fun because we get to look at it and say, like, well, was that an outlier or is this the new normal? And uh, and you could say that uh, opinions could be uh, spliced down the middle on that one. Your puns are very awful, my friend. It's, it's, they've been, had a couple of really, really bad ones lately. <laughs> I, look, I, man, when, when you're feeling the hot hand, you should ignore it entirely and go with the bad puns. No, no subtlety <laughs> here with the Jamal Crawford of... Esports puns. Yes, we are in fact talking about Splice as I'm mocking your terrible showmanships. Uh, yeah, Splice. Uh, they made no changes after a very successful summer split that followed a not so successful spring split where they fought and stayed out of relegation. Uh, in the summer, they took second place behind new dynasty organization G2 Esports. They took second place in the summer playoffs, again losing to new European dynasty organization G2 Esports. They took first place in the European regional over the Unicorns of Love in what was kind of a little downer for us as we were watching them. They, they, we thought they were going to just sweep through it, and then Unicorns of Love were really, really plucky, and we'll get to them next week. Uh, and they went to the uh, the World Championship. They bowed out after being in a rather rough group. Uh, they did get one win uh, in that group that included Royal Never Give Up, Samsung, the runners-up uh, to the entire tournament, and Team Solo Mid. God rest my soul. Uh, <laughs> they won some awards. They had the best coach of the summer split over in Europe with Yamato Cannon. I think that was pretty well-deserved. 
And they had three All-Pros on all three different teams. Wonder took the first team All-Pro honors. Trashy was second team All-Pro. And Suncooks took third team All-Pro. And they ran it all back. It's the same roster. Wonder in the top lane. Trashy in the jungle. Suncooks in the mid lane. Kabi is the AD carry. Mickey as the support. And Yamato Cannon as the head coach. Chase... What do you think? Why, why would they run this back? You run it back because you made incredible leaps and bounds from the spring split. I mean, obviously, uh, there are some problems that we're going to talk about with this team. You know, it's not a perfect team by any means. There are some flaws that need to be addressed. But just looking at the growth between spring and summer, you can just tell, you know, how big a difference a split makes. Just having that extra experience under your belt, having played on the LCS stage and getting used to what it's like to play in front of that size of a crowd. You know, getting used to, you know, having weeks where the games aren't bouncing your way and having to recover mentally from that. There are a lot of really important lessons, and Yamato Cannon absolutely deserved his Best Coach of the Year award because he helped facilitate this, you know, these lessons being learned and getting these guys in, in the right mindset to be as dominant as they were. And, you know, that, that summer split was an amazing performance up until the regionals. And it's one of those things where now you have to look at it and say, were the regionals the statistical outlier? Was this kind of the, you know, the I, the end result of a lot of things that had kind of been bubbling under the surface coming to fruition? Uh, is this kind of what we should expect moving forward? Is it something to do with, you know, the pressure of that kind of moment? We don't know. There are a lot of questions that need to be answered, but you don't get answers to those questions by rocking the boat and mixing everything around. You figure it out by by running it back, looking at the, the roster you had and saying, what do we really have here in the long run? Because you can always make changes between the spring and the summer. You can always make those adaptations if you need sort to, of, if one yeah. of these pieces don't work. They don't use any import slots right now. If they need to make changes, they could probably make changes. But the most important thing is that right now, there's no sign that they do need to make those changes. There are a lot of signs that say that these problems are the kind of things that they did such a good job fixing after the spring split. So I really like the fact that they ran it back. That's one of the things that gets me very excited about this team is just the, the potential to build off of what we saw going forward. I, a absolutely. I You nailed everything I thought about this team. Um, I even want to expand the the... The sample size, not just from the regionals versus the summer split, but as a whole, looking at the spring and the summer split and just seeing how different the two teams were. The spring, obviously, I, you know, Wonder was pretty much their only bright spot, and that was just because they funneled a lot of resources and, and gold and et cetera into him, and that's why he's shown they really played around a style that allowed him to be successful. And then we go into the summer, and Trashy definitely was improved. Kabe was a, a revelation when you look at, you know, he was the guy that we're looking at going, man, he's really the issue coming into the summer. He really needs to play better. Senkuk slowly and steadily improved after a spring split where he didn't seem very comfortable outside of a couple games. Um, that, to me, is going to be the biggest story of this entire split for them is what is the new normal? Is it that, you know, did they overperform in the summer and they fall back down to earth? Is it that the spring was just, it was their first split in, they didn't know what they were doing, they were trying to adjust everything. So I think, like you said, the only way to answer that question of which splice are we is to run it back, as you said so yourself. And that's, 
that's basically it. Yeah. I mean, what what else? Uh, you know, is there anything else about this team that excites you? Is there any you know particular storyline that you're really like, yeah, this is this is exactly what it's going to be, or is it just that? Yeah, we get to see another split and see which team they are. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I think if you're looking about what parts of running it back are the most exciting, you have to look at Trashy, and I think you have to look at Suncucks. I mean, Wonder being a great player, we weren't expecting him to be this great, but. We no. did notice in the spring split that he was the guy that was getting the majority of their resources. They obviously had a lot of faith in him uh, as far as playing through him and understanding what his role in their uh, win condition was going to be. Now, they did readjust resources so that it wasn't quite as top-heavy, literally Correct. and figuratively, uh, as it had been in the spring split. And that was mostly facilitated by the fact that Trashy and Sen Cooks took huge steps forward. Trashy was a guy I predicted to take a huge step forward in the spring, was a little bit disappointed by how he performed there, but then, you know, redoubled my enthusiasm with how he performed in the summer. He just has a very good understanding of what his team needs at any given time. He's very selfless in that regard. He wasn't a kind of guy that was stealing a lot of kills or a lot of resources from the rest of his teammates. And Senkux finally felt like we found a comfortable meta for him. You know, he's mm -hmm. not going to be able to style on people the same way that he did back when he was in the Challenger series, but he can outscale and he can teamfight very well. And he, you know, finally accepted that necessary transition, I think. And now we get to see what that looks like moving forward. It's it's much more of an ideological shift that is the most fun part of seeing it run back because now we see... You know, the system is established. Yamato Cannon has done his job of, of telling us what is splice during a successful split. What are the win conditions they're looking for? Where are the resources trying to go? We now know all of these things. And right. because we know that, now they can refine it. Now they can go back over with a comb and be like, okay, so where were the inefficiencies here? You know, what can we do with Trashy or Senkux's champion pool in this new meta? meta? What can we do with uh, Mickey to make sure that he is playing more like the guy we saw in the regular season who was roaming around very successfully and getting key vision for his team and less like the guy that we saw in a lot of their losses who was getting caught out by skill shots all the time uh, because he was venturing a little bit too far without that vision. So there are a lot of things that, that can still be built upon and improved upon, but there's a framework that we are now very well aware of and that we know can work. And when you know that the framework is there and the infrastructure is set up to enhance that, then you get to start doing little things. And as an analyst, it's so much more fun to watch teams try to tweak little parts of their game than having to watch teams just wholesale make these massive changes and you know spend weeks just figuring out which parts of the system work and don't and overreacting to certain weeks and then making changes in the opposite direction. This is, to me, just a much more interesting team to watch. I agree, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, <laughs> running it back. It's uh, there's not a whole lot to add. I think when there's not many changes that are made, but I do want to bring up a, a point I brought up earlier. Kabe. Yes. I don't think that any one player on this team typifies the type of season that Splice had. He in a micro. He is you know as a microcosm is the defining factor of Splice's. Failures in the spring versus their, you know, resurgence into the summer and success, you know, up until that playoff and then heading into Worlds and being just in such a tough group. He had a lot of problems in that group at Worlds, especially, you know, against Wild, 
Double Lift and Biofrost against Mata and Uzi against Core JJ and Ruler. Yeah, yes. see, Wild Turtle's still stuck in my head as a TSM fan. Yeah, I know. Oh, You've already just, started to accept that. Just, uh, just give in, Walter. But he t- he typified that difference of failure and success. So Chase, yes, you have him down as as your player that you're nervous about. I am nervous. Why why is that? Why are you nervous about Comet? Because whenever a player makes a sudden jump like that, it doesn't feel very sustainable. Especially because of the circumstances under which that happened. Uh, I used to call this the Giants gaming corollary because we <laughs> saw this a lot with uh, with Audrey. Is we would get a new support and suddenly it's like, oh right, they do know how to play uh, in the bot lane. Like this Godford guy is so much better than uh, the support that we had before this. And it's like, oh well, now we can you know now we can play around it, and that got exciting, and then. That, you know, got old, so then they needed a new support, and, you know, they they kept making these kinds of changes, but the whole idea was a below-average or average-tier AD carry getting, you know, from a terrible support to an average support makes a big leap comparatively. And that's what I think we saw when you look at Kabi's stats, because when you look at him in in the regular season, it's not like he was you know, really dominating foes week in and week out. His most successful champion was uh, Sivir, as far as just pure raw numbers go. Uh, he was obviously incredibly dominant on the Caitlyn as well, and that's something you would point to as maybe a a more lane-focused AD carry, if you want to look at, well, he can do well in lanes, but in all reality, the reason he did so well is because he did a very good job of utilizing power spikes in teamfights. This team won by team fighting successfully. And Mickey, you know, did a great job of providing vision, allowing these realms to happen, setting up these team fights time and time again. But now we have a lot of film that tells us what Mickey likes to do. And now we have a lot of film that tells us the kinds of pathing that Splice likes to make and what objectives they tend to fight for. We now know what their their tendencies are as far as, uh, you know, where, you know, what side of the map they want to play around. And this makes them exploitable. It does not mean that they are going to be exploited. It just means that they are capable of being exploited in a very different way. And what we saw in the spring was not a guy who was mechanically all that terrible. In fact, his his Ezreal games, his Caitlyn games, even back then, by the numbers, were very good. In fact, the numbers weren't all that different if you look at it from just raw stats but the difference was that he wasn't required to be playing on the back foot every game he wasn't constantly getting ganked because the rest of his team was calling enemies attention down but now teams are going to look at it and if i'm g2 or if i'm you know the unicorns of love and this is one of those things where i mean think about how differently we see both splice and the unicorns of love if the unicorns of love win game five and go to worlds instead of splice right I mean, we're having an entirely different conversation about how good we feel about this coaching and, and with a roster and, how, you know, how well they're able to prepare for big games if they lose that one game. They were one game away from being an entirely different type of team to talk about. And I don't think we should forget that. I don't think we should forget how easy it was at Worlds for teams to just target that bot lane, put Kabi on the back foot and make him absolutely useless in team fights. And in a meta where AD carries are already feeling that way, that's a concern to me. It's it's that glowing, you know, target basically that is going to constantly be on their backs until they figure out how to 
you know, hide that deficiency. And I just don't see where that's going to be yet. I, there's this discussion anytime you talk about stats and you have giant variances. You have very low lows, you have very high highs. There's always this discussion in, in sports particularly. When you talk about fantasy, you know, football, when you're talking about just players in general, their actual statistical breakdowns, how well they're playing, there's some sort of regression towards a mean. And we've only seen two splits of copy. Mm-hmm. So we've seen a very low low and we've seen a very high high. So now I think this spring we're going to see it start to come towards some sort of center. So then we're going to have three different data points of, okay, copy is here, copy is here, copy is now here. So now it's that determination of how far to either the good or the bad side is this, is this central, this third point, because that then starts to bring his averages one way or the other. And I think it's very important for Splice to have that center, that third point, be as close to that upper side as possible. Now, there is a chance that that upper echelon that he was at throughout the course of the the summer split, that's where his second point lands, too. Maybe they're just excellent in the summer split. Maybe they're just excellent during the regular season because it's a lot more carefree, there's less pressure on them, and then as the pressure ratchets up, then they start having some issues, as we saw, a very high-pressure situation against uh, the Unicorns of Love where they had a couple of games where they were on elimination point, and they really had to fight back, and they really had to you know, claw their way uh, to that world's birth. And then on the world stage, it's just they're outclassed. I mean, Doublelift, Uzi, and, uh, and Ruler are you know, probably top 1080 carries in the world, and Kabe... Yeah. You played well in the summer split, but you're in Europe. There's not a lot of great 80 carries in Europe. Sorry, dude. Like, Reckless and Sven are great, but the rest of it's kind of mediocre. So I think that's very important for their success uh, moving forward into this split, as is the continued improvement of the most dashing man in esports, Yamato Cannon. Yeah. That man knows how to wear a suit. He does. I'll give him that. Incredibly fashionable. And he knows how to coach young players. Surprisingly, he knows how to coach young players. Chase, when you look at the coach of the split, Yamato Cannon, why do you think he is the most important factor in determining the actual success of the team this split? Well, this is a test that Yamato Cannon has never quite passed yet. And it's it's what happens when you give him a good team and tell him, get the most out of this roster. Now, he's very good at player development. If you look at, you know, for example, Rockat's summer stats versus their spring stats in 2015, you can see a huge leap in terms of what they were capable of when the playoffs and everything rolled around because Mm -hmm. he did a very good job taking the young guys and getting them to understand the system, what it meant to be a pro player, getting them ready for game day. He is good at all of those things. And those are very important skills to have. Let me be clear. Uh, those, you know, this is not a knock on Yamato Cannon. That is a, it is big praise because it is very hard to develop talent at an LCS level. League of Legends is still very young as an esport. Uh, we don't have a whole bunch of, you know, guys that we can point to and say, yes, they did a great job of developing all this talent forward. We have options like CJ Antis of how to do the exact opposite of developing talent, but we don't have a lot of coaches we could say s- provably. This team is better because he was there. And there's no way you could look at the difference between Splice in the spring and the summer and not attribute a good chunk of that to how Yamato Cannon built a system that these team, these players could work within and got them from a team that looked scared to be on the big stage to a team that did very well in best of twos and, and constantly adapting to opponents when necessary. 
My big concern is now we need him to do a very different kind of job. Because it's an entirely different job when you say, okay, now we have a pieces, now we have the system, now your main job is to go in and scout enemy teams and be prepared for whatever they're going to throw at you. And this is where I get nervous about Yamano Cannon, because that is a strength that's not panned out. In the 2015 regionals with Rocket, he got them very close. We got a game five against Origin that probably was the deciding series in terms of who was going to get that world spot. But he couldn't close it out, and both games four and five were games that people pointed to and said, that pick and ban made no sense, especially given the team that they were playing against. And if you look at Splice, you know, that one game away again in, in these regionals, they didn't seem to have a great understanding of how to play against the Unicorns of Love. It was an incredibly sloppy series. It was a series in which I didn't feel good about either team afterwards. And I remember. They, you know, they got a win against uh, Royal Never Give Up. And, you know, that's great at Worlds, but Royal Never Give Up was also floundering at Worlds. So, uh, to a certain extent, I, I don't know. I, I have concerns about whether he is the right coach for the kind of job that they're now looking at. It's going to require him to change his mentality and accept, like, look, the things that I'm very good at teaching, the players already know. So now I need to be growing with them and understanding how, you know, teams are going to be gunning for us every week because now we're seen as a top team. So we're the ones with targets on our backs. We have to be ready for everything the league's going to go throw at us. We've got to have, you know, our scouting on a week-to-week basis has to be as sharp as possible. Mm -hmm. And we have to be prepared for what happens if Kabi does take a step back or if Wonder isn't able to be as dominant as he was last split or meta changes and how that's going to affect Senkux's champion pool. These are very different problems than the problems that he's proven to be able to solve so far. And while he certainly has the ability to do it and Splice is in as good a position as anybody to do it, it still needs to be something that we, we talk about because it's something that historically... Yamato Cannon has not been the most successful at. But this is his chance to prove it. And if he does, Splice is going to be a dominant team once again. That's why he's my X Factor. Fair enough. I can agree with that. I uh, I do think that the, the thought about player development versus already a pre-established system, I think there still is an aspect of player development to it. But you are correct that Yamato Cannon has hit this point where... It doesn't work anymore. That him as a coach just doesn't work with those players. And whether it is just he knows how to teach players how to play and doesn't know how to fine-tune, he doesn't understand the aspects of of adapting in mid-series in that very last game, of having that sort of trump card, um, are definitely valid points. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just... I'm curious that the top two teams in Europe made no changes. And Splice had such difficulty overcoming G2 in, in that regards. Now, the, the structure of the European series will, will help a little uh, because I'll assume that Splice will end up with the group with H2K. I would think that that would be what G2 would want to do with their first pick is be like, all right, Splice was the other good team. Let's go get them in the other group so we don't have to worry about them, play them as little as possible. Um, so there will be some gamesmanship there, and I'll be very curious as to uh, how Splice deals with H2K when that seems like that's probably going to be the group that they're against. But we will see, Chase, at the end of the day, where do you come down on this team? Where do you think they're going to end up at the end of it all? Well, to be fair, I bring up all these questions about Yamato Cannon and about Kabi. 
I bring them up because they're things that I think people don't talk about enough and that they need to be brought up as discussions. Yeah. My answer is I think that Splice is going to figure it out. I still think they're a, a top uh, four team. I'm not willing to... I don't think they're going to be finalists. I think that other teams have gotten better around them. And I think that it's very hard to, you know, basically do the massive leap that they did last split. You can expect a little bit of a regression to the mean. I think that would be entirely reasonable. But I think they've absolutely built a roster uh, and an organization that has the ability to step up and be that kind of team. I'd feel a heck of a lot better if they had an official analyst on staff because that's something that I think you need in this day and age. And right now they currently don't. So certainly if they make any big infrastructure changes before the season starts uh, or even mid-season, I could see that helping out as well. But regardless, I think this is a top four team and I'm excited to see what they do. Fair enough. I uh, I will agree with those sentiments. When I first looked at all the teams and first started hemming and hawing over, I was like, mm, this team feels like it's it's in regression mode. I don't think any other teams have really made changes that that justify putting them over Splice. I don't think, you know, Fanatic's necessarily guaranteed that they're a top three team. I don't mm-hmm. think that H2K has necessarily guaranteed they're going to be in that top two at the end of it all again. So uh, I would agree. I'd say that Splice is definitely, to me, a, a top four team uh, in terms of projecting outwards a, you know, nine-week regular game season and uh, and getting into the playoffs. I think the semifinals are very doable. I will be curious at what type of adjustments they make as a team when it does come to them playing against G2, because they'll play against them at least once yep. uh, with this sort of group format setup. It's kind of weird. Uh, but they'll play against them at least once. That series will be one of the ones that I circle. And that's a podcast, and Splice's yeah. logo is, in fact, a circle. It all comes back on itself. Circle. Everything in life is a circle. But that's been our show. And uh, we're going to be out for the weekend. You guys can come back on Monday when we're going to cover one more North American team and one more European team. You guys can follow us on Twitter over the weekend. Maybe I'll maybe I'll leak out a little hint. I'm going to leave you all in suspense. Ooh, you guys can fancy. follow me at C80s underscore LOL. Chase, where can the good folks at home hound you all weekend with our terrible, terrible previews? Uh, you can find me at Redshirt King. I'd love to hear from Splice guys, whether you're anxious for the upcoming split, whether you would have liked to see, you know, maybe again, some big name analysts come in to kind of help anchor the coaching staff. Uh, and I want to see uh, from the rest of you guys why you think I'm ridiculous for even questioning the glory that is Tomato Canyon. I mean, Potato Famine. I mean, Yamato Cannon. <laughs> Uh, so we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. It'll be fun. Well, that does it for us. Come back on Monday. We'll have another European team and another North American team. And until then, goodbye, internet. Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash rough drafts pod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming, or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show, or eight bucks a month, gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, 
soundcloud.com backslash esports rough drafts as well as on itunes and youtube by just searching for the rough drafts podcast thanks for listening and goodbye internet